1: Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to be talking some USC Trojan football with the Coach Harvey Hyde on this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. You can follow the coach on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. You can also go on the Instagram. He's been putting some pictures up there, some old school pictures, some newer stuff. You can go at Coach Harvey Hyde on Instagram as well. we got a bunch of questions. If you have questions for us, On the show, we love to hear from you, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or if you'd rather call us, you can leave a voicemail or you can text us. The number for that, for both of those, is 424-254-9141. We got some voicemails. We got some texts. We got some emails. Lots to get to. We got some interesting uh, news. We're counting down to the the beginning of fall camp, and uh, one of the USC football players is doing something very – it's very cool, so we're going to talk about that uh, to start as well, but want to talk with the coach. Welcome him in. How are you doing, coach?
0: Ryan, I'm doing great, and uh, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July weekend. It was a long one. I like it when it goes this long. I mean, everybody enjoys it a little bit more, but then all of a sudden, Monday rolls around, and away we go. Not that we weren't th- doing things during the holiday period, but yeah. Uh, Trying to move on, and Ryan, what can we say? It gets a little bit closer. You've been busy too, but we get a little bit closer to the opening of camp on August the 2nd.
1: Yeah, it's coming up fast, and uh, I was out last week, so sorry we didn't have a show because I was uh, traveling down in uh, Dallas, Frisco, Te- Frisco, Texas, actually, for the uh, the opening final, so I was down there getting a lot of recruiting stuff for uscfootball.com If you follow the recruiting stuff at all, that's a big deal uh 130 or so of the best high school players in the country come out there we got a lot of footage putting it up on the side a lot of interviews and things like that um it's funny coach I this morning I had to go get uh I had to get some tire rotation done but actually had a screw in one of my tires so I would go get that fixed and someone comes up to me and goes hey are you Ryan Avery (laughs) I I heard your voice and I could tell it was from the Parastel podcast I'm like oh okay so shout out to Jeff uh who came up to me at uh in Torrance today at uh, America's Tire um so pretty cool. Uh, say say hi to Jeff. Uh, so if he's listening, thanks again for coming up. We got to talk uh, football for a few minutes before his car uh, was ready. Um, but Coach, one of the before we jump into stuff, uh, the last few days, if you've been following along on Twitter at all, uh, check out Austin Jackson's Twitter profile. You can follow him at c h o c o d r o. Austin Jackson's the former five star. Uh, tackle for usc and he's doing something very selfless um so his sister uh is she's going through chemo right now uh she had she began chemo i believe two or three days ago um for she's prepping for a transplant and she needed some encouragement her brother is going to be doing uh a, the bone marrow transplant so he's going to uh, be donating his bone marrow and they they actually have a uh uh, if you fo- you can follow along on his Twitter account. Like what's going on. Um, it's, it's so it, it's, yeah. So Austin's sister and the person who was posting this originally is, is her niece, Kia's niece, uh, autumn. Um, she has diamond blackfin anemia. So she's going to get a bone marrow transplant and her, and Austin, her brother is the perfect match. So they had a GoFundMe page. Um, and you can go to, uh, it's the website is cota which is children's Oregon transplant association show, association so cota for team autumn so cota for team autumn.com and you can go to austin jackson's uh twitter account as well um they got some information some videos and stuff but pretty cool um we haven't seen him out at these summer workouts and stuff coach and uh, this is the reason why he's going to help save his sister's life uh, with a bone bone marrow transplant. So that's pretty cool.
0: I think it's absolutely awesome. You hear me occasionally uh, get a little bit on uh, players, I mean, and and some of the things that they do, like mispractice for a wedding or they're going to be in somebody's wedding or something like that. Well, I don't, you know, I don't go along with that, okay? Just schedule the wedding at a different time or tell them I can't be in it. Cause I got football practice, so I've got school. But in this type of situation, hey, congratulations, Austin! Uh, you have the, you would have my support, the team support, do whatever's necessary to get it done.
1: Yeah, uh, pretty cool. So I, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with uh, when you donate bone marrow. What I, you know, I do blood donation, but that's nothing like this, obviously. Um, if they're, you know, what kind of recovery time and stuff like that is there. But we'll probably get. Uh, an update at the Pac-12 media day. I think Clay Helton will probably be talking about that for sure. Uh, but really cool. Um, so wishing uh, Autumn and Austin and, and the whole uh, Jackson family uh, the very best. And uh, hopefully the procedures and everything goes well. And everyone comes out, uh, you know, for the better for this. So, But pretty cool of, of Austin Jackson uh, to do that, Coach. Yeah. Um, well, what have you been up to this last, uh, we we didn't get done in the last week. Are you, Uh, you did, were, at this point, you're reading all the, the preview magazines and getting ready for fall camp?
0: No, I really am. I've been through, I'm um, going through my final uh, third magazine publication, Phil Steele's, uh, and uh, I'm trying to put my thoughts together with his thoughts and other people's thoughts as far as how I feel about college football and who are the favorites and this and that and coaching changes and returning starters and strength of uh, player groups and all of the different things so that, uh, you know, I bring out a poll every year too. I announce that on August the 8th. You can get that on my website. But I try to put together my feelings not only in uh, the national scoop of things but also in the Pac-12, Mountain West Conference, and other conferences as far as as who I think might end up as the conference champion and and so on. So that's what I'm working on. I enjoy that, and it also is sort of a study review for me as far as reviewing the different teams and players and recruiting and all the things that sometimes uh, you pick up a thing here or there that you forgot.
1: Yeah. Um, you. Can... I forget a lot of stuff, Coach. <laughs> So but yeah it's going through and kind of reading some of the magazines and we do our previews on uscfootball.com it's uh it's yeah it's like oh yeah I forgot that that happened or oh yeah and going back and rewatching some of the games you kind of have an idea in your mind the way the season went but sometimes you forget some of the details you know and so going back and kind of watching what went through you sometimes I feel like I remember things like the way you think it should have been and then you watch the game like oh it really wasn't that way <laughs> so uh, this is the time of year you kind of get those juices flowing again and you, you start thinking about, Hey, what happened before? What's changed since then? And where's this team going now?
0: You're exactly right. And and I take a lot of time too talking to coaches at different universities, some in the PAC 12, some other places, uh, comparing what they see and what they think of different schools and what their thoughts are as far as who they have to beat. And, uh, I like doing that. And, uh, and how maybe certain personnel people would fit in in their programs. So would they play or would they not play? And how they evaluated them as far as uh, during the period of time that they were playing them. So I like doing that and catching up to date with everybody as far as in the football world.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there was some other news that kind of happened um, since, uh, since we talked, I guess, the last time. And it was uh, involving uh, Clancy Pendergast and a former, uh, USC, uh, assistant, uh, well, he wasn't an assistant coach. He was, uh, um, uh, an analyst, uh, and there was a lawsuit and all this kind of stuff going on. But we had a question from Nick in Cyprus and what we'll kind of get your thoughts on, on what Nick had to say. He said, I'm very angry to hear about this new lawsuit it involves Clancy Pendergast. First, why is he still here? He's overrated and ain't worth being kept. Wow, Nick. Uh, We got rid of uh, BKU for this clown. He's talking about Kenichi Daisy, And why did we hire Joe DeForest? Who? I'm tired of hearing this kind of garbage. I want to give Clay a second chance, but this might be the nail in the coffin. Uh, Fight on. Nick not real happy uh, about what's going on. What do do you think, Coach?
0: No, I understand it, because just when one thing gets over with and sort of uh, dies down and you don't hear about it, then something else is always coming up. And, uh, you'd rather have one thing and get it taken care of rather than others. other. So how is this going to be taken care of? Is this an NCAA violation? Uh, is it something that uh, the school is going to handle? So there's always another question mark on what's going to happen, and that doesn't help you in recruiting, doesn't help you with alumni, doesn't help you with uh, anybody. It's just a distraction to the team and something for people to talk about, just like we're talking about, rather than positive things. And uh, it just seems like uh, it's one thing after another, and it's not good for the program. It's not good for the university. It's not good for the players. And uh, you've just got to somehow get this thing straightened away where it it gets to be more of a positive type of thing. And I think that's where, when the season starts and when camp opens and so on, I think that there'll be more news, more media, and a lot more happening uh, uh, toward USC football. But again, too, uh, will there be space for USC football? I mean, what's happening in in Los Angeles with the Dodgers and with the Clippers and the Lakers and and everybody else that's uh, uh, getting all these top players and so on? So there's only one way for them. Uh, even UCLA, I mean, how are you going to get uh, coverage now? There's only so much space in the sports page and media time for everybody. So the number one thing to do is you got to win. you got to have star power and marketing power. And right now uh, I would say this is the number one goal for USC football.
1: Yeah, I think that is right now. And this is just kind of another uh, distraction, I guess, I guess you could say, but it, so if, if we didn't go over the details, I know uh, Dan Weber and Keely, you are covered in the podcast last week, but uh, Rick Courtright Is the, he was a defensive quality control assistant uh, for USC uh, starting in 2016. So he has a $2 million lawsuit Um, so he named, and he named Clancy Pendergast, uh, in that. So part of it was, he said that Pendergast worked with some couple of graduate assistants who paid a couple of USC students to take online classes for them. He also said that, uh, he saw Pendergast handling, uh, uh, some cash, uh, with one of the, uh, one of the GAs, um. So yeah, there were, and there was another, uh, just the way one of the preseason, I think it was the Washington state game from 2016 where a couple of guys got, um, concussions. So he said that he was kind of whistleblowing this stuff when he was there and nobody, uh, ended up, uh, listening to him. Uh, the issue with the grad assistants real quick would just be, um, you know, if you're a graduate assistant on staff, you can actually coach players. So you need to be working towards your master's degree. So if, uh, you know say a GA wasn't really taking classes then they they would have to be more of an analyst role like what Rick Courtright was where he's not necessarily on the field coaching like uh, the regular coaches are or the graduate assistants are but if you weren't taking the classes then that would be some sort of academic fraud in the eyes of the NCAA because those GA positions you're supposed to be uh, working on your master's degree so that's kind of what the issue is there we've we put some stuff in the war room on Friday if you want to check it out on uscfootball.com. But I, you know, from, from what we're hearing, doesn't seem like it's going to be that big of a deal. Uh, I don't think Rick Courtright was the most uh, liked person when he was around. Uh, so is this just some sort of money grab? The, I mean, it might be nothing, coach. I mean, maybe there's something to it. But the problem is because it's piled on all the other things. On top of all these other things that have happened, it just—it's just one more thing for fans like Nick, who you know, really upset reading stuff like this.
0: No, I agree, and I'll tell you what—it's a difficult thing to have when you have someone on your own staff uh, sitting in on staff meetings with you. Uh, you're all supposed to be uh, family, working for the same goal. Uh, it's tough enough to beat people uh, on the uh, against the opponents. You have to have somebody inside your program that is, uh, uh, telling people this. this is something he should address the head coach with taking care of it, but to go to compliance and, and go this far and then come back and sue the university, you know, it puts him in a very difficult situation as well as the university. I'm going to tell you, I don't know who would hire him. I mean, as far as, you know, in the future. So uh, you know he he has to he has to think about these things as far as loyalty to your program and your players and everything and what might happen to USC because of this. So you know it's just things that I didn't even know who he was and I don't know who he is personally or any of that. But I think that it sort of rings a bell that you know when you sit in my staff meeting and we talk about different things. If you have a problem, you come and talk to me about it. And you'd be loyal to me. And if for some reason you don't like what happened or what's going on, just resign and get out of here. You don't have to blow up the world. So uh that's just me speaking. I don't know if you all agree with me out there. And I'm not for endorsing any type of academic fraud or anything else. But I do respect loyalty to a program and to the kids and play in the program and, and this type of stuff. So, Ryan, I think that's a difficult situation. And that's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah. We also had another question uh, from from Nick, coach, and he wanted to know who are what do you think the best three position groups are for USC and then three that maybe concern you uh, following spring football?
0: Well, I think uh, the strongest groups and, and as far as when I talk uh, to other coaches nationally, that's one of the questions I ask. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I asked... Uh, can the receivers play at your program? Do you think the receivers are those types that can play in your conference? When you talk about uh, Pittman and uh, Vaughn and Brown and these guys, and they say absolutely. So uh, when you look at that, that's the way I like to compare not just what my thoughts are, but what other people's thoughts are. And they think that the receivers at USC is a, a strong point for USC, especially the skilled positions they feel are, The defensive line is something that could be a strong point for them if they perform up to their level of expecting, expectance uh, of them, and uh, they're coached and play with motivation, and they're all four- or five-star players, so let's see how they can play. Uh, They feel that a lot of people feel that the offensive line and defensive line have the biggest question marks, but the potential of the defensive line, I think, is pretty good. Uh, they think that uh, a couple of their linebackers are good players, and I think they are too when they get the right combination. I have different philosophies with different other, different players on where they should be playing and so on and so on and who should be playing. Uh, and we sort of discuss this type of things. Uh, as far as the running backs are concerned, you know, someone's got to step up. Someone's got to be the guy, and right now they're in the guy. And I think someone's got to be developed into being the guy. When you look at the top running backs in the country listed by most of these publications, none of them are listed. That's because none of them have been given the opportunity. They've been injured or whatever, alternate or whatever happens, where they haven't been the guy. they got to have the guy that you can depend on that's going to be in the game, playing, making plays for you. And then again, the quarterback situation too, how is a how are they going to adapt to this new offense? There's still a question mark there, or who the starter even is. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, in the secondary, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, there's players there coming off of injury. So uh, if these players are healthy and come back and they're put at their right position on the field all at one time, I think that's what's going to be uh, a position that we have to watch. Now, they lost Watson. Watson. Uh, the defensive back from Ventura who didn't qualify uh, which is uh, you know something that you don't want to lose if you think the kid can play but again there's been you know a lot of discussions who can play and who can't play I don't think that's going to make a difference in what they do this year it's not going to make a difference on whether they win or lose I'd say that the question mark position right now if I was to look at it would be the offensive line and how they utilize the tight end, and also, who's going to be the guy as the running back? That's what I would look at.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you look at like there's some groups that could be strengths that look like weaknesses now, and 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 vice versa. It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to say. But you feel you know you feel good about the wide receiver core. You're like, hey, I think that's going to be pretty pretty darn group good group. You know, uh, don't know how the the linebackers going to be used, but I feel pretty good about them and the defensive line too. You know, and you you mentioned the secondary. Yeah, I think there's some real concerns there, but it you know, could shake out where you have some really talented players and a lot of incoming freshmen that are going to be in the mix. And, you know, with the offensive line, I don't think it'll be as talented as last year's offensive line, but I think they're going to perform better. Uh, but those are, you know, kind of the typical areas of concern, I guess, right now around the program. Uh, Nick had one more question. Uh, who, who do you think would be the young, unsung hero of the team going into – The season. So I'm not, hmm, what does he mean by that? So maybe like a freshman or a redshirt freshman, a young player that maybe hasn't done that much that's going to be, you know, play a significant role potentially. Maybe that's what he means, coach.
0: Yeah, I think he means that. Now, I don't know how many people saw steps play in the spring, the running back, but he certainly is a load. What I mean by that, he gets yards after the tackle down the line of scrimmage. He runs hard. I think he could be an impact player. Uh, I think he would push uh, Malapi and push Carr to become better players. And I think, to me, coming out of the spring, he may have been the most impressive player that stood out in the spring to me, as far as somebody who I wasn't sure of before on how good he was and how he could perform. I would say he would be the guy, uh, Ryan, you might agree with me, you might not. I, trying to recall right now uh, exactly what I saw but I would say and I haven't seen any of the new players as far as that have just enrolled but as far as out of the spring and what I've seen I'd say it'd be the running back steps
1: yeah Marquis step I think is uh, he's got a lot of potential Uh, Mike Jenks hasn't really had a running back that size before so uh, and we saw him really perform well uh, in the spring, so interesting to see kind of what he does but I think that's a good good choice for a potential unsung hero I mean you could do a guy like a Talanoa Hufunga I mean maybe one of the, the cornerbacks like a Elijah Griffin like maybe some one of those guys are going to step up and have have a huge year there's a lot of guys that they're you know you don't really know yet uh but they're going to have a significant role and you just got to wait and see how they how they perform and how they turn out um we have a uh uh, voicemail question for you, Coach. I'll play this and uh, get your thoughts.
2: Curtis from Moreno Valley. J T. Daniels is real smart at the Manning Manning Passing Academy. J T. Daniels picked one of the the person was somebody they were interviewing that was coaching, and J T. was one of the coaches for the high school kid, and he said he picked his brain for about an hour about. USC's offensive coordinator, at at the practices, he was even barking out orders like the offensive coordinator does at practice. So JT Daniels, I like his brain. He knows more about the coach now from somebody who's really experienced with that coach's history. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well,
0: you know, whenever you go to these uh, quarterback camps and so on, you know, you hear reports on who people are impressed with and so on. He certainly has been around football for a long period of time and had a lot of success, so so he should be smart. He started last year in the Pac-12 at USC, and, uh, you know, he should be learning and know the offense at USC as well as the passing game itself and the philosophy of the game. Because he's been a starter, I'm not sure, but since a freshman in high school. So he has a jump on people because of the playing experience he has and the coaching he has and so on. And this, and uh, and I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. But again, that's got to be implemented into what leadership is all about. You can have it all in your brain and head and pass written tasks, but sometimes you can't. Uh, take that and uh, display it to your players and communicate with your players everything you have in your head uh, there's more than just being a genius There's more than being a team player and also everything that's accompanied around that so if he can take that knowledge that he has and gain the confidence from his team that he does know it and they listen to him and he does display that leadership as far as vocally as well as taking the lead then i think that's great now he is not that. Type of people, a person that I watch, as far as telling people where to be, what to do, and so on. I'd like to see him be more that. That's why I like to see the huddle type of philosophy too, where you do both. You huddle at times, and you also line up at the scrimmage on the scrimmage, uh, line of scrimmage at times. But there are times when your leadership in a huddle certainly does make an effect a little bit differently than it does when you're on the, uh, you know, on the line of scrimmage with no huddle offense. But uh, I think he knows the game. I'm sure he does know the game. And now he needs to now display his knowledge with his ability. And I think that's what everybody's looking forward to, because obviously if the offensive line can display some type of talent and they can keep the defense off balance, then that's what this offense is going to need to be able to give him time to throw the football. But what you do with this offense is you come after it. You make him make quick decisions, keep the ball in front of you, and sometimes you force him to throw the ball deep a lot and if he's on it's great if not if your db's can cover your split receivers because of lack of speed or whatever then you got a game in hand so you know it's all this uh, it's all part of it you got to be intelligent as far as of the game itself you got to be able to control the game itself and you got to be able to also demonstrate to your players that they want to follow your leadership
1: yeah, you got to be a little careful. With some of those, I forget, man. I'm blanking on the quarterback's name. It might have been the guy from Nebraska at the. Uh, I think he went down to like the Manning Manning camp. Uh, Martinez. Pad. Martinez. Was it Martinez? He did, and like, oh, he was amazing, and everyone just like expected all this stuff from him. it. Was something like that? But yeah, there was there was a lot of hype, and a lot of it came from how well a guy performed at one of those camps. And uh, you know, it's nice, but. I wouldn't read too much into it, but I do, I agree. I think JT's got a really high football IQ and uh, having, uh, you know, it, I think it's taken a little bit of time to get this going with, uh, you know, figure out what Graham Harrell wants. Um, he wants them to play more and not think as much. And JT's a big thinker as far as trying to figure out what everyone's doing out in the court, you know, out on the court, out on the, uh, out on the field knowing what all the defenders are going to do and things like that. And, and Graham Harrell's like, no, you don't need to know that. I want you to find the open guy and throw it to him. So there's a little bit of an adjustment there, but I, I agree with, uh, you know, with, with Curtis, it's uh, he's a, he is a very sharp quarterback and that, you know, I think part of the reason why he's had as much success in his life is because he is a very cerebral player.
0: Yeah, he is. And, uh, he needs now to, you know, take it. And uh, as you just mentioned, Ryan, and in this, this side of offense, it's, it's reading the, the secondary and throwing the ball. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I've been reading about North Texas State in the last year, and, yeah, they had a nice season, but who did they beat? So when I look at that, I start to gauge uh, just how well this offense works against certain people. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I have to wait and see. Like I've told you, I haven't bought in yet. They have to wait and see just what happens under game situations. I haven't seen a type of scrimmage that I've been waiting for, and I hope on the seventeenth of August they have that type of scrimmage in the Coliseum that we can all evaluate and all see the offense and all see the defense in a full game type situation.
1: Yeah, it's uh I was talking to um Jeff at the tire shop today the guy that I told you you know he, he really loves you coach by the way um definitely. and it was one of those things where I can see it I can see this team I can see this offense being significantly better but it's sort of one of those things that you kind of have to it's got you got to prove it to me first like I can see it happening but I'm not ready to go out and let me say oh it's definitely going to happen because you just don't know you know like it, the, the things the right things are happening, but. Here you are. Is it going to come to fruition or is something else going to get in the way? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, coach, kind of a wait and see for it.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and I think that's what you have to do. I mean, right now, I'm not going to give you my Pac-12 predictions, but I, but I tell you, you know, uh, you know, everybody tries to be positive and not realistic and you always want to be positive, don't get me wrong, but you too. at the same time you want to be realistic on the performance of the defense and the special teams, I haven't really seen that either. I mean, in the spring they really sort of put a lid on that. Uh, I know they have a great kicker and so on, but I'd like to see him perform. I'd like to see all the other things that make a complete football team. And I don't think they've really been a complete football team yet, with the new coaching staff, five new coaches, the the kicking game, the offense, the changes, supposedly they talk about simplifying the defense. What does that mean? I want to see it. I want to see just exactly what they're talking about, saying simplifying your defense. What's that mean to me? Or what does it mean to someone who's preparing against you? Uh, I think what that means to me is do your assignment and do the right things where they made so many errors in the past as far as gap control, contain control. Scraping techniques, uh, pass interferences, breakdown in coverages. uh, uh, Those are the things I want to see improve, unnecessary penalties. So these are the things that if you're going to win, you have to improve on.
1: Yeah, Uh, and there's definitely – I see the path to improvement, but we have to kind of wait and see if the improvement really happens to make sure. Um, We had – let's see. We had a couple more. Uh, This is a question from uh, Dr. Levi. He says, after watching – uh, coach Clay Helton for three years. Are you convinced that he has the skills slash potential slash leadership ability to get the football program back to where it deserves to be? That's from Dr. Levi.
0: Well, I hope, I hope yeah. because, uh, if he doesn't, do you know what's, what's expected? And you know, it's, uh, in a football world, it's, uh, every coach understands I make so much money, that means I have to produce like any other business. And uh, if you don't uh, play at the standards that the Trojan football people expect, uh, they'll want to change. And uh, that means they, they're expecting big things. I mean, right now, there's a little bit of turmoil, I would say, in the athlete department at USC. I mean, uh, people aren't talking as positive as it used to be, and, and it should be. I mean, USC is one of the top football and traditional programs in America, and they shouldn't play second fiddle to anybody. I don't care who they are. And uh, I've sort of questioned uh, the recruiting. I think they only should recruit the same players Alabama recruits, uh, Ohio State recruits, and so on. They can't let the great players in Southern California get away to out-of-state schools. And uh, the way you do that is the players know they're going to win. Players know they're going to have a chance in the NFL. Players want to go to your school. And your problem is just deciding which players you want. And that's the way it used to be. Well, you've got to win and you've got to put it together to be able to do that. And that's what the people expect at USC. I know you do. I know I do. And you got to hope that Clay Helton uh, understands that, you know, recruiting maybe two or three play- star players, yeah, they're great kids but you've got to be able to bring those players along and you can't forecast all your players or bring all your players along on their potential. You've got to have some that are ready to play now that everybody knows can start in and play. And I think that's one area of recruitment that needs to be improved on is you've got to be able to have offensive linemen and defensive linemen, the same one that Alabama have or Washington has this past couple of years and be able to play on that level. Because if you don't play at that level, in fact, on the offensive line, I wouldn't recruit a guard or center. I'd recruit all five-star tackles throughout the country. I'd take the 30 top offensive tackles in the country, and those who would be, I'd recruit. They'd be my guards. they'd be my center, they'd be my tackles, because they're the most physical type of guys that you can find. They all have the size, quickness. Those are the type of players you got to bring in. Same thing on the defensive side, on the edge guys, guys that jump off the football, that fly into your face. And My God, how'd he get in there so fast? So, you know, this is my my philosophy. I mean, because I believe in USC. I believe in what kids think about USC. So you've got to turn that into, or you've got to make a dramatic change somewhere to make that happen.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for that question. Let's see. we got a text. I uh, didn't say give a name, but this is someone that's kind of texted a lot about, Uh, other head coaches and hiring other people. Um, He says, I don't think Chris Peterson has ever landed a five-star and yet Washington always seems to compete and play big boy football. He does a great job at taking three-star players and developing them. If USC wants to let go of clay at the end of the season, do you think Chris Peterson would be interested in the job? And I'll I'll just chime in real quick. Uh, They interviewed Chris Peterson, um, back in the day and end up going with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I don't think at this point, Chris Peterson would be interested uh, if there was some kind of opening because he's established there at Washington. Now I think USC had an opportunity four or five years ago to get Chris Peterson and uh, did not do it, which you know I don't feel was the smart move, but that's the way USC went with it. So I, I don't think Chris Peterson would be interested now. I don't know if you have any different thoughts. And, and like we said, there's no head coaching opening right now?
0: Well, I would say this. I don't think there's a good feeling between the two. Uh, When you finish second or I don't know just how much they did interview him or if they went up there with a predetermined slot anyway, just what you call a, a courtesy interview with a great coach, I don't know if he'd need to come. He's beating USC now. Why does he need to go to USC? That's my flaw. Why do I need to go to your school? I can beat you where I'm at. So, and he's got a great environment there. They got a great program going up there and it's more or less his type of uh, environment there. And he's got a lot of good things going played in the Rose bowl last year against Ohio state. I mean, getting another uh, good recruit, having another good recruiting year. So it would have to be a special situation for them to entertain him to come to Southern California. So I would say, no, I don't, I don't think he'd come. Because of the background on how the interview went in the past, him being overlooked or given a courtesy interview, if you know what that means. We interviewed him, but we decided to go a different way. And I think he's established a program up there that is comparable playing anywhere. We're playing uh, in the Pac-12, I think, in the north. It's Oregon and Washington right now, with Stanford always strong, with David Cho, such a great coach. Washington State with Mike Leach, look out for him. He can beat anybody in any given day. The North is a pretty solid division of the Pac-12. So you know, no, I would say he would not be interested, and I don't think you could get him. And I don't know if he'd be the answer.
1: Yeah, obviously hard to say uh, if he would be the answer or not. But I don't think if some for some reason USC was looking for head coach, I don't think uh, Chris Peterson would be on the top. What you know, top of. USC's list anymore. And I don't think Chris Peterson would be all uh, that interested. Um, but all right. And then we have one last one. Um, this one is from Don. And this is having to do with the, the law that California passed in the Senate, the bill that California passed in the Senate that would allow college athletes in California to benefit from their own uh, likeness. And then the NCAA has, you know, wanted them to kind of delay this and Uh, You know, said that there's a potential for California schools to be uh, banned from competing in national championships. If this law, uh, if this became California law, which wouldn't happen until 2023. But anyway, we talked about this before, but Don wrote in agree or disagree. If California believes in passing a law that benefits a few, but hurts the rest, then they have been listening to these fools on sports talk radio shows. Collegiate sports is supposed to benefit all student-athletes, not just the stars. These great high school-slash-college players only need to wait a couple years before they become pros. What is the rush? I disagree with the NCAA on most issues, but I agree that they should ban California schools who let athletes profit from their image. This is becoming a, quote, me society more every day. The revenue-generating sports are actually team sports, I think. Give us your insight since you are close to the program on a daily and year-round basis. That's from Don. And I I completely disagree with Don, but coach, get your thoughts.
0: Well, you know, half the people that vote for these things don't know what they're talking about, okay? First of all, I think athletes benefit a lot from getting an athletic scholarship to college. They're actually getting paid, really. Let's say you're a USC student. and, And let's, you know, you've heard me, I think, before, if you're a regular listener, describe this. You're getting 70000 a year tax-free, no no loans that you have to pay back to be an athlete at USC. No loans, full scholarship, unlimited as far as graduate, get your BBA, go on and get your MBA, get your master's, whatever, depending what you do, all on scholarship. Is that pay? I'll tell you, there's a lot of parents out there that would love to have that, and a lot of students out there that love to have not any student loans to pay back. I would say that's paid. You know what? You don't pay any taxes on that either. So maybe that's worth about a $100,000 or 125000 a year or whatever. So I think you are getting paid. And I also feel that it's a team game, not a me game. And I think that, yeah, I think there should be more of control on how they use the names to profit from. But, you know, again, uh, I, I think that uh, people will take – as much as they can. And I think there should be something on how they utilize the kid's name and how they uh, sell it. They sell their jerseys with their names on. And you know, why can't they sell a Jersey without a name on it? Why does it have to be a name? Everybody would know who number 10 is. Wouldn't you know who number 10 is or who number 72 is the ones that want to get paid anyway, or they think they should get paid anyway because as this gentleman just said, they're stars. So if you wear a number uh, 21, or you want to n- wear number three, you know who that is. I don't have to tell you, so why have the names on them to sell the number of the jerseys, and then it's it's not really using the person's name. And how about some of the other sports that win and work just as hard? You don't think the soccer teams, look what happened this weekend, you don't think those kids work hard? Why shouldn't uh, they have the same privileges, which they would if USC had an Olympic player on that team. But, no, I don't think they should get paid. I think they get a lot already when they get an athletic scholarship. I think you've got to be a team and be happy with what you're receiving. I think money has ruined everything as far as in college athletics. And I think that, I, you know, before you just used to be happy of being part of a university and part of a team. Now everything is what you might call greed Football coaches making three, four, five, eight, nine million dollars a year. I came along too early. Athlete directors making the same thing. I think they'd all do it for 500,000 a year because if that's what you pay, that's what they get. And uh, the facilities now in the athlete departments hey, man, I'll tell you, they eat special foods. They wear special uniforms. They got all the counseling and uh, academic uh, assistance they have. I mean, what other student has that? I mean, it's absolutely fantastic what today the facilities that they have, the stadiums they play in. I mean, uh, I think it's going to make an athlete soft rather than hard. They don't have that in other countries. So, I'm just saying I think everything's good the way it is and people ought to just go back and correcting the real problems rather than worrying about what athletes are getting.
1: Yeah, well the 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 law would say if you're a student athlete, you can benefit from your own likeness. So you could do, uh, you know, endorse products and things like that um, for what Don is saying. Yeah, I think that would be horrible for the NCAA to ban all the California schools. I think that makes absolutely no sense. I don't think that would ever happen. Um, and as soon as a California, if that's something like that passes, other states will start passing similar laws because they wouldn't want California to have. An advantage where like UCLA or USC or Cal or Stanford uh, could, you know, if you go there, you could endorse a local uh, car dealership and, and make extra money where you couldn't do that at like Alabama or Ohio State. So I think it could be like the first domino to sort of fall. But I think that's just a terrible idea for the NCAA to kind of grasp at straws, think that they could ban California schools when you're talking about the most national championships of any college program. The, the top three are all in California. So you're going to ban those three from competing for championships. It just doesn't make uh, any sense. But um, yeah, Don, I, I don't think this is going to come to fruition as far as uh, the NCAA doing anything like that. But California's law does make it interesting. If that does go through and it looks like it will, um, that might change the entire game that that coach is talking about. And it's, it's not going to be a case where a school is paying an athlete, but you let an athlete, if you know, they're, they're famous for being, you know, making a whole bunch of money for your school and football team, uh, they can benefit from their likeness and they can make money on their own likeness. So uh, it, I mean, it seems like that's where it's going coach, but that's, this is sort of like starting the process with this California law.
0: Well, I'll tell you why uh, the NCAA doesn't want this, Ryan. They're, obviously, California schools would have an advantage over the others. If you're in Alabama or Oklahoma and you're recruiting the kid, you say, hey, you come to our school at USC and you can work and you can make money doing this and doing that. So it could really uh, enhance the recruiting and change everything. So I can understand why they say that, because it would disrupt the entire recruiting process and everything else that's going on. So there's a lot of things, and people do a lot of these things when they write these bills or do whatever they do. I don't know how much consulting they do with people that know what they're talking about and how it affects everything, okay? And nothing against these politicians, but I I think they should really consider what the main effect is and look at all the things we discussed just here on this podcast and, and think that maybe they got it pretty good already compared to the rest of the student body who doesn't have all the benefits and all the things that these student-athletes already have. And I agree. There's a lot of money made on them. There's a lot of ticket prices that are made on them. There's a lot of revenue that's made on them as far as through television and everything else, but also they're treated pretty good too. So, uh, you know, no one said you had to play sports. And the ones that play sports are getting a lot out of it.
1: Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up uh, for today. Uh, any final thoughts before we let you go?
0: Yeah, Ryan, I think we ought to explain to everybody too that you and I are gonna take a couple of weeks uh off here because we've got some things we gotta do and and rest for a minute, not really rest, but uh, get our thoughts together and and uh, when we come back, we don't want people to think that the old coach isn't gonna be around or Ryan's not gonna be around. But uh, we're going to be back. I forget when, Ryan, when the date is, but we're going to be back doing a podcast here in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be uh, out of the country for a little while, a little vacation. So uh, we'll we'll take the next two weeks off. We'll be back uh, most likely July 29th, I believe it is, the Monday. So we'll be back there. So you can send in your questions. We'll make sure we get we won't get to them over the next two weeks, uh, but we'll get to them after that. So uh, do apologize for that. Uh, probably we'll have, you know, we'll have other podcasts going like with Keely and Dan while, while I'm out of town. Um, but should be, should be good. And I, I let, so let people know also Wednesday, our tunnel vision show, you can see that up on uscfootball.com. Wednesday evening starts at 6 PM. We're going to have a very special guest. Uh, we have Aaron Osmus, the USC strength and conditioning coach lined up to uh, be in studio and join the show. So. Um, should be fun. Uh, I just confirmed with him last night that he'll be coming on the show. So, uh, make sure you check that out. We'll put it up in podcast form too, but it'll be on YouTube, Facebook and, uh, Periscope. And of course on uscfootball.com. So hopefully, uh, you guys want to hear from him because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different strength training techniques and stuff going into what he's doing in his program. So we'll see how effective that all is, but we'll be talking to Aaron Ausmus on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to that coach.
0: Yep, uh, I'll take a lot of insight from these coaches and philosophies to go on. And, uh, Ryan, I want to wish you a, a safe trip. Enjoy it. For all of you out there, uh, buckle up right along with us. We'll look forward to having you back with us. And again, I want you all to know that this is just my opinion. Everyone has an opinion. But without your questions and so on, we're not in a position to Give our opinions. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thanks for all the uh, questions. Thanks for sharing your opinions, Coach, and uh, do the same with mine. That's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented
0: by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.